and it is so funny and she bursts out laughing and her laughter in that moment is just so delightful mm-hmm. <laughs> and his face of just uh, like fuck i, just I, like, I almost fuck. had the last I word <laughs> five six seven eight there's no business like show Call. Happy season two finale! Happy season two finale! Woo! <laughs> Episode, what, 52? 52. <laughs> Happy season two finale! And honestly, love this movie. So mm-hmm. happy. Made me smile. One of my favorites. Oh, welcome to the podcast. If you are new, welcome. If you're an old timer like us, welcome back. <laughs> this is 5678, a movie musical podcast where we review and recap movie musicals. And this week, our season two finale, the 1952 classic, Ugh. Singing in the Rain. Not singing, Ugh. singing. Singing. There's not a G to be found. No, not a single G in that entire title. That's not true. Sing. Incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> There is a single G. <laughs> one G. One less G than you might think. <laughs> I forgot that it opens with like a very silly sound, like teaser singing in the rain blurb. Well, it's so interesting because that was supposed to be a full number. That yeah. that song was supposed to be the three of them. And then they ended up cutting it and making it into the classic Gene Kelly dance that we know now. But we're, we're getting ahead. I love this movie. Um, oh, this is a classic for I, a reason. Classic for a reason. The amount of joy that just like oozes out of my pores watching this movie. <laughs> I can't stop smiling. It's like a solid, what is it, an hour 40 of me just grinning like a maniac and laughing out loud. All right. As I said, we open with a like a little quick bite of... Our three stars in those classic yellow raincoats. We get a classic mm-hmm. title sequence. It's Gene Kelly, Debbie Reynolds, and Donald O'Connor in Ugh. Singing in the Rain. Then we cut to the Hollywood Chinese Theater in Los Angeles. It is 1927, mm-hmm. and we are at the premiere of the silent film The Royal Rascal, starring Don Lockwood and Lena Lamont. So we get our entrance of all of the celebrities down the red carpet. And their limousines. The best one is the Spider Woman. The Spider Woman? Woman? Ugh. I love her. God. I just need more She of had her. big grandmama, it's me, Anastasia energy. Oh, 100%. Of just like, she showed up with like this black coat over her shoulder and then immediately just lets it fall to the floor and you see the entire green interior and then she just drags it behind her as she walks down the queen. Amazing. We also see... Zelda, who is played by Rita, Rita Moreno. Moreno. Yeah. Oh, bless her. She shows up everywhere, and I, I she love truly it. Truly does. I I don't. How old was she in this? Because uh, she was quite young. Debbie Reynolds was only nineteen, I think. Um, I'm not sure. I didn't look up how old she was. The entire red carpet is being narrated by a single reporter older mm. woman and that's how we big mary sunshine energy yes and this is how we learn the names of everyone first major player to enter the red carpet is cosmo brown played by donald o'connor and the mm. crowd gets super excited but then they get disappointed because it's just him it's and we learn him. 
It's just him. He is Don Lockwood, played by Gene Kelly. He's his best friend. Mm-hmm. Don Lockwood is the leading man that all the girls are there to see. And then they're like, yeah. oh, if Cosmo's here, Don's here. Oh, wait, Don's not here. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> Never mind. And I'm just like, oh, poor Donald O'Connor. Yeah. <laughs> so finally, eventually, we get Don Lockwood arriving and everyone stands up and cheers and like fans are trying to get at him. And he's there with his co-star, Lena Lamont. Blonde Hollywood starlet. We, we haven't heard her talk yet they're both just oozing charm like glamour and celebrity and so they get up to this reporter who's like will you tell me a little bit about your backstory about how this amazing pairing came to be and so i was like now here now now we have so little time but so he starts to like give a version of his life by starting saying that he he's always just followed his motto dignity Dignity, always always dignity. dignity. And then we get to see, as he's telling this, like, glamorized version of how his life went, we see what actually happened. And it's, like, Mm -hmm. this great contrast of just, like, oh, yes, I was brought up on the finest theater. And we see him sneaking into, like, King Kong movies at, like, age five and, like, hoofing in a bar. And, like, so obviously his life has been rewritten for audiences to make Mm -hmm. it seem like he is more glamorous or had more glamorous of an upbringing than he actually did. Through this, we also get our first song, which is in a part of this flashback with him and Cosmo on the vaudeville stage, Fit as a Fiddle. Yes, we... Which doesn't have a point. (laughs) No, it doesn't have a point other than they are just both such fantastic dancers. Oh my god, the tapping. At this point, they've established that like Cosmo and Don teamed up as a vaudeville act, and that's how they cut their teeth. They've known each other since they were itty bitties. And it's a fantastic dance. I wrote, gosh, they're such hoofers. And then they get booed by the audience. Who who, who would dare dare boo? Okay, first off, the fiddle song, hilarious. So funny. Oh, classic. Classic vaudeville, visual gags. The tapping that they are doing, they are doing like single leg. I'm just, I'm like so overwhelmed by it. And like one of my notes, we are five minutes in. It's just going to get worse. (laughs) We are five minutes into this film. (laughs) They Mm -hmm. have nothing but muscle on their entire body to be able to pull off some of the moves that they are doing. It is insane. Mm-hmm. And the flexibility, flexibility that they have. Huh. Anyway. So after they get booed, we Don's voiceover tells us they went to California and they were fielding movie offers left and right, a.k.a. what they were really doing was they were playing mood music on silent picture yes. sets. Cosmo plays the piano and Don plays yes. the fiddle. And this is where we see Don get his first big break where he takes over for a stuntman that gets accidentally knocked out and does such a fantastic job that the director hires him for the rest of the picture and that really kicks off his career we see a big montage of him just like doing incredible stunts wild stunts man it's just delightful uh we also see don meet meet lena Lena. yes and again we haven't heard her talk but he's like oh it's so great to meet you it's so wonderful to be working on a film with you and she really rebuffs him until just then the head of the studio rf comes in and it's just like oh i've been told that all of our stunt team is just you you're doing great i'm gonna put you in a lead in a picture with lena and immediately lena's just like all flirty all of a sudden Mm, and don is his hysterical and it's just like are you busy tonight and she like shakes her head no and he's like that's funny because i am and then just walks away (laughs) yeah he gives her a taste of her own medicine i do want to point out this is a small moment of joy but it's very Mm -hmm. consistent rf talks in the way that like old-timey news reporters talk in my brain (laughs) she's like hey i hear i hear our entire center team has been replaced by one man is that you you're fantastic (laughs) you're fantastic get it done the titanic has sunk (laughs) 
Um, so fantastic. So we also at the okay, end so of Don this, finishes, he finishes yeah, Don, his story. And uh, we you cut know, back to present day, 1927. He finishes his story and they go inside to watch the Royal Rascal at the premiere. Now we see the end of this movie. It is still a silent movie. So all of the dialogue is put up as cards in it's between. Like ca- caption cards. Caption yeah. cards in between. And there's a live orchestra doing the music for this. And then also we get to see sort of Don doing a lot of stunts in this movie. Um, God bless the actual stuntmen that were in Oh my God. For Gene well, Kelly. <laughs> him doing a no-handed spring up, like back spring mm-hmm. up, first off, while like having two swords in it his hand i was like that's so hard (laughs) (laughs) anyway so the movie ends uproarious applause and don and lena come out to take a bow and don keeps stopping lena from talking to the audience so she keeps stepping Mm -hmm. forward as if she's about to say something and he interrupts her and pulls her back Mm -hmm. and they finally say thank you well yeah this happens three or four times and then he essentially pushes her off stage yeah and then we hear lena's voice for the first time and her voice she has the thickest most jarring brooklyn accent she's like what's the big idea oh it's (laughs) what do you think i am dumb or something the people backstage are Don, Cosmo, and R.F., the mm-hmm. movie producer, who are just like, you know what, Don's going to make the speeches. We have a whole publicity team. Yeah. Now, it was established by the reporter on the red carpet, but there have been romance rumors in the tabloids for months that yes. Don and Lena are romantically linked. That the studio has been pushing as well. Yeah. Like, the studio has been pushing this narrative yeah. that they are together or like hinting at it, but never fully confirming because it helps yeah, to sell it- their pictures. Exactly. And it's gone so far that Lena thinks the rumors are true, <laughs> Lena too. has been convinced. <laughs> yeah, where Don's like, I have me. never showed you any kind of affection like that. I cannot like, stand there you. There is nothing between us. Only air. <laughs> <laughs> but the film has a premiere party afterwards, so mm-hmm. they all go. Lena goes off separately after. She's like, Don, where are you going? <laughs> Donnie! <laughs> now, yes. Don, and, Don Cosmo. and Cosmo are drive after the premiere to the party. However, their car breaks down. Oh, no. Oh, they get a flat tire. Yeah. And Don gets out and on the side of the road and immediately is clocked by fans. They're like, hey, that's Don Lockwood. And he is just mobbed. Mobbed. And, like, ripped to shreds. People, like, trying to, like, take pieces of him, like, ripping his coat. And Cosmo was no help to the point where Don jumps through the car to another car to the top of a trolley. Yeah. And then leaps into the passenger seat of a passing car Mm -hmm. driven by a woman who understandably freaks the fuck fuck out panics and he's like don't no no no, don't worry if you could just like drive a few blocks and drop me off and she's like no and then he's like no he's like don't worry i'm not i'm not like a bad guy and she's like yes you are i've seen you on posters with a bunch of numbers on your chest and so she pulls yeah, over she, she, she recognizes him but she doesn't know how she recognizes exactly him, so she she's seen him on like, like wanted a posters, villain yeah. and he's all torn up and so she sees a police officer she pulls her car over she's like police officer help this man he goes hey this man's don lockwood and she's like Oh, oh shoot! Oops. <laughs> <laughs> so he Don apologizes, apologizes and goes to get out. And he's like, "I'm sorry, I was running away from my room." I know, and fans. she's like, "That's awful." Like, it, I'm I'm heading this in this direction. Is there anywhere that I can drop you? And so she agrees to like drop him closer to his house so that he can go and change out of his like ripped up suit. And while they're driving, he's very used to women sort of falling all over falling him. Falling all over him, and he's a bit of a he's a bit of a schmuck. He's like a bit of an egotistical yeah. 
Absolutely. And she's not really yeah. buying it. And she's just like, well, that's awful that they. Um... <laughs> Sorry. I'm just I'm just imagining the soundbite of like Gene Kelly as Don Lockwood. He's a bit, He's of, a a bit of a schmuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not a no. So, <laughs> so she's talking about how like, oh, it's awful that all of your fans did that to you. And he like starts trying to come on to her. So she shuts him down by insulting like, yes, the fuck out of him. It's so. Oh, she, she reads him first. It's disgusting. Bell. She was just like, well, but you know, the movie stars, that's not real acting. You're not like actually doing anything. You don't have like good lines. You're not like, you're just shadows on film. And he's. They're, They're pantomime, pantomime because this is the era of silent exactly. films, whereas she's a serious actress stage, of, of the course. stage. And so he gets very offended and is just like, oh, so glad that I could be here in your great presence. What are you doing right now? And she's like, well, I'm not in anything right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He calls her bluff. He's like, well, if you're such a great actress, like, what have I yeah. seen you in? Like, what are you doing right now? But so she eventually gets uh, him to his house throughout this entire yeah, she gets argument. Him to his house. Um, and one of my favorite, this is one of my giggles, is he's just like, oh, like, I am too lowly to be around you. And he like slams the door and he doesn't see that his coat gets stuck in the door. He's like, farewell, mm-hmm. Ethel Barrymore. I must tear myself from your side. <laughs> and as he says tear, he steps away. And his entire coat rips in half. And it is so funny. And she bursts out laughing. And her laughter in that moment is just so delightful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and his face of just uh, like, fuck. I, I, I almost fuck. had the last word. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to the yes. party. We see actually Kathy, which is this this girl's yes. name. Oh, we haven't yes. said her name. Kathy, Kathy Sheldon. Yeah. She introduces herself. She arrives at a party. It's a little bit late and she's checking in. And at first we think she's a guest, but then she's directed to go around the back. Because she's so just a part like, of the oh, floor what does that show. mean? We yeah. see, yeah, she's a part of the floor show. Dawn arrives at mm-hmm. the party. First, we see the inside of the party with all the personalities from the red carpet. We're like, oh, this is the premiere yes. party. The Spider Woman dancing. She's direct perfect. into camera. She's fantastic. <laughs> I love her. Finally, Dawn arrives having found a new suit. And Cosmo's like, where the fuck were you? But Dawn's like, immediately, to, Dawn immediately turns to Cosmo. He's like, do you think I'm a yeah. good actor? And Cosmo's like, what? Why are he's you like, asking As long as I like, work Dawn's for this clearly... studio, you're the best actor in the world. <laughs> so even though he didn't let it show, clearly Kathy's critique of him kind of shook yeah. him a little bit. And is making him reevaluate. Yes, he has fans, but is what he is doing is really good? considered yeah. art? Then we get to, now that he has arrived, RF is like, finally, you're here. I can show you this thing that I've been working on. So this guy's been coming to my office and he sets up sort of a movie projector in this party and shows the first sort of iteration of a talking picture. Yeah, it's like a test. A test shot. So it's a guy's voice has been recorded on a record player, and as long as the record player and the movie are started at the correct times, then the sound will sync up, and it's unlike anything anyone has ever seen before. And the people at this party react differently. Some people are like, oh, that's Mm -hmm. so fun. And some people, like the Spider Woman, is like, it's vulgar. It'll never never catch on. on. It's like a one trick flash in the pan. Exactly. And of course, Cosmo has the best line. It's like, well, that's what they said about the horseless carriage. Yeah. The guests are unimpressed. I don't know if you said this, but the person who, the the studio head Mm -hmm. RF is the one who is hosting this party and he's the one that shows it. He also references, he's like, well, you know, their studio is called Monumental Pictures. And I think he says, 
like Paramount Warner or Brothers, some other yeah. competing is going to produce a full feature film of a talkie. It's called like The Jazz Singer or something. Everyone's just like, yeah, that'll be yeah. a success. <laughs> okay. okay. But now that he's done this, he's presented this, he's like, all right, now for the real song and dance, like we're all here. Thank you so much for coming to the premiere party of The Royal Rascal. We have a cake. A big cake is brought out, like yep. wheeled out for Don and Lena as a surprise. And then, oh, guess who bursts out of the cake? Kathy. It's Kathy in a showgirl outfit. She makes direct and eye contact with drops. Don. And goes... And he goes, oh, look, it's Uncle Barrymore. <laughs> it's my favorite line. I use that line all the... You know how every now and then you're just like, what's like a random line from a movie that you use all the time that no one ever knows? Well, if it isn't Ethel Barrymore that- is one that I use all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but before Kathy can even recover, she's joined by about a dozen other girls in chorus costumes and they have to perform the song that they've been contracted Absolutely. to do. Which is... All I do is dream of you. It's yeah. hokey and it's cute. And it's supposed to be like lighthearted and all of that. It's it's more of a performance than yeah. like an actual musical theater it's song. It's a performance for the um, party. Yeah. No, this is not... This is a performance within the context Don of the But Don is film. delighted by this. One, he keeps trying to tease her about <laughs> this and interrupt her. But then once she actually starts, he's kind of charmed by her performance and how fantastic she is. Now, the song ends... And she's just about to leave, but he runs and catches her and is he um, and he's just like, well, you know, now that I know where you live, I want to walk you home talking about the cake. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she's really pissed about this and really embarrassed. And so she yeah. like picks up a cake and she's like, well, here's one thing I learned from the movies and goes to throw it at Don. Don ducks and it hits Lena Lamont full in the face it's so good such a good moment (laughs) oh stunning and lena freaks out kathy escapes in the pandemonium and don runs after her but she fully drives off in her costume still and escapes and we see don alone on the driveway just so so smitten smitten. so so it's like anyone who throws a cake into that dastardly woman's face is the love of my life has won my (laughs) heart cut to our next scene Dawn is walking around the soundstage at Monumental yep. Pictures, and in the background we see three simultaneous films being shot. Because, again, they're so all you silent films, so it doesn't matter that there's... Yeah. yeah, exactly. He's starting a new movie. Yes. Cosmo comes up, and it's the first day on set for yeah. their new movie. Cosmo is playing music Yeah, he's, like, it? head of the music department. He's not the head of oh, the music department Oh, that happens later. Yeah. He <laughs> will be later. But the film is about the French Revolution. It's been three weeks since the party, and we learn this because Don says he can't stop thinking about what Kathy said to him, and Cosmo's like, that was three weeks right. ago. You're still well, we thinking about that girl? we also hear about, like, that she lost her job at, the co- at like, with that yes. company, so he can't find her because she's no longer employed there, so he's just been thinking about her and, like, can't get her out of his mind Mm -hmm. and he feels guilty yeah that she may have lost her job because of him he doesn't really know what happened yeah cosmo tries to cheer him up by (gasps) singing oh the classics i made mike like take out his headphones be like you You need need to to watch watch this 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 is what dance can be (laughs) make him laugh it's called make him now 
I have so many notes about this song. The song was written specifically for Donald O'Connor because Gene Kelly was like, he doesn't have a solo number. He needs a solo number. And Gene Kelly worked with... That's a good friend. That's a good pal. Gene Kelly worked with Donald O'Connor to go through basically all of his old vaudeville gags and like visual jokes. And basically they choreographed it together into like one big amalgamation of everything that Donald O'Connor could Mm -hmm. do. So it really is, like, just for him. And he fucking kills yeah, it. Yeah, it's to showcase his dancing talent, his vaudeville talent, exactly. his slapstick comment, his now, singing, but his acting. He also it's kills so himself. Good. After he yeah. filmed this, he went to the hospital for three days. Yeah. And then he came back and they were like, actually, the camera was foggy. We need to do it again. <gasps> Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. So he did the entire thing. Oh, no. It destroyed him because this was a concrete soundstage. So you think of all of the times he's throwing himself oh. to the floor. That's on concrete. Why? Why didn't they put something down Because this was a bad working environment. So mm. he, yeah, so, and he's also smoking like four packs of cigarettes a day. Like he was not in a healthy spot. Yeah. And yeah. so he ended up going to the hospital after the first time for like three days for exhaustion and like bruises all over his entire body. And then he gets back and they're like, the film, the footage is not usable. We need you to do it again. Was he okay after the second time or did he have to go back to the hospital? I don't know. I don't know. God, fucking awful. The fact that it's a concrete, like, so watching that, that particular song, knowing that the floor is concrete really changes it. Because you're just like, oh, babe, oh, babe, you are hurting yourself so bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's real rough. But not knowing it. And watching it, God, he God, sells he it. Fucking he sells, sells it. it. There's a whole, there's a whole moment with a mannequin that is just a moment of joy for me, where he just flirts with this mannequin. <laughs> and I'm just like, why is this adorable? <laughs> the whole oh, thing is it so funny. Me such it's joy. so funny, and he's so yeah. athletic. Does it move the plot forward? Not at all. No, but it is a true blue musical song. And I'd rather watch this than the Broadway medley. <laughs> oh no, I fucking love the Broadway medley. We'll get there. I could not give a sh- could not give less. Sid Charisse, I can't. Anyway, like I can appreciate the dancing in it. That doesn't mean I think it's a good use of my time. <laughs> anyway, anyway, it's they start, they start filming. filming. They start filming. Lena and Don come onto Rascal. set, and so they're honestly, like, it just looks like French the same Revolution. Thing no, they it's just not. Did. It's not the royal rascal. It's this. This is called oh the, the dueling, dueling cavalier. Sorry, cavalier. Sorry. Yeah, the royal rascal yeah. was the first one. Yes, this film is called the dueling cavalier. They are in French yeah. Revolution, like finery. Yes. Talk about a hoop skirt. Talk about a wig. <laughs> and oh, I think one of my moments of joy is the scene. Is is yep. this scene because Don cannot stand Lena and she cannot take a hint. And because it's a silent film, they're not recording any of, any of the dialogue. So they are acting like they are so excited to see each other. And every other word from Don is like, I cannot yes. abide you. You make me disgust. You make well, me sick. Right before they start filming, Lena reveals that she oh, right, was right. the this one is who got yeah. Kathy fired from her job because she hit her in the face with a pie. Yeah, she's jealous. She was jealous of yeah. Don's attention towards her. And so Don is furious, and the director's like, and action. And so, and you love and you each, love each other. other. And so they have just like, their faces are just so in love. And he's just like, you are just such a horrible woman. How dare you get her fired? <laughs> and she's like, that woman was beneath I you. <laughs> she's like, I want to break every bone in your body. You and who else, you big lummox? And then he like kisses her. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. And so the scene 
And they finish filming that scene and they're like, great, it was amazing. And just then RF, the head of the studio, comes in and he was like, shut everything down. Um, turns out that we have a problem. We have a problem. <laughs> so the jazz singer had been released a couple of weeks ago and it was a huge hit. It blew and audiences everyone's like, away. Why haven't we been doing and everyone's- this? And now every other studio, won't accept yeah. silent yeah. pictures. So every studio is updating everything to making to make a talking film, and so they're like, "We're going to turn the dueling cavalier into a talking picture." And RF has a great line. He's like, "Just think about it, Don and Lena, they talk." And then we hear <laughs> Lena's voice. Well, of course we talk, and then their faces just drop. <sighs> And then we get my favorite transition, which is newspapers telling us plot development. <laughs> Not bubbles. Almost but as good as bubbles. But it's secondary. It's the second best. It's a montage of talking films getting more and more popular and audiences just clamoring yes. for them. And then we get our like next useless <laughs> song, which is so dumb, but every costume that they show is something that I want in my closet. Okay, so. Cut to a sound mm-hmm. stage. We see RF and a couple other folks, including Z- Rita Moreno as Zelda, watching a filming live with music. Mm-hmm. So a talkie of what I thought was like a musical act, but I actually think it's an ad for a department store. Maybe? It's one crooner surrounded by like a dozen chorus girls, one of whom is Kathy. Yep. So she hasn't been run out of town and yet. The feature of this sequence is the main crooner singer showing all these different women's outfits for different situations which is why i think like is this a like a magazine almost but a department store ad i don't know it's wild yeah so i think part of this also was that this was very early in color for film this movie was 1952 like it started in the 40s but it really came to be in the in the early 50s and so i think part of this also they just wanted something colorful they're like look at what we can do yeah i mean kind of and so i think it's dumb and it doesn't move the plot right so it is but it is very fantastical and large and very colorful so I think that's a part of the reason is because color had really just ramped in. Like it was the end mm-hmm. of the 40s, early 50s, and this is 1952. This number is like a montage of every kind of shopping montage in a yeah. film mixed with like Welcome to the 60s. Mm. But with no one that we care about. These are all random yeah. people. So anyway, this song is useless. But what it does is Cosmo is there and he sees Kathy and RF and the director are talking about it. And they're like, Kathy's really, really great. I was thinking about casting her as Zelda's sister in Zelda's next picture. And Zelda is a minor character. It's Rita Moreno. She's only in like a couple scenes. She was supposed to have a bigger part. It, it got, got cut. cut. But that's why she's there. Because yeah. we were like, hey, who?" in case the audience is like, who's yeah, Zelda? That's, that's Zelda. Zelda. Right there. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) But during this conversation, Cosmo recognizes her and then runs to tell Mm -hmm. Don. Um, So the Mm -hmm. song finishes and Don runs on set and is like, Kathy, I've been looking for you. And Kathy is just like, shit, now they're going to know that I was the girl who hit Lena in the face with a pie. I'm going to be fired again. I'm never going to get, I'm never going to work in this town again. again. (laughs) And RF is just like, oh, well, I was actually going to cast her in this one thing, but if it's going to make you angry. And Don is like, no, no, no. Like, I'm really happy to have her working there. And he's like, cool, then just don't tell Lena. That's the subtitle of this film. All right, that's fine with me. Just don't tell Lena. And then um, 
Cosmo's about to leave, and he was like, I'm so glad we found you. We've been looking inside every cake in town. Every cake in the town. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's my favorite line. Honestly, I love Donald O'Connor. He has the best one-liners in this entire movie. Every single one is a moment of joy. After this scene, Don and Kathy leave this soundstage, but kind of walk around the general soundstage, yeah. just like talking and flirting yeah. and getting to know each other better. Don reveals to Kathy that despite what the tabloids say, he and Lena are not romantically involved. He can't stand Lena. And Kathy accidentally reveals that she's read several of the fan (laughs) magazines that he's referring to. And seen, like, all of his movies. Yeah, where she had fully lied and been like, I think I saw one of your films once. So she's fully, she knows who he is and she's seen his films. And she apologizes for being so mean to him when they first met. And he goes, no, 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 I deserved it. (laughs) That is okay with me. And he says he hasn't been able to think about anyone else since he met her and then he takes her to a secondary location (laughs) to tell her (laughs) so he's like i want to tell you something i got to tell you how i feel but but like this random back at like isn't gonna do i need to take you to like a place that is as decadent as i feel so i can explain to you the the scope of my emotion for you but he takes her to an empty soundstage and i was just like cool do never 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 go go to a secondary secondary location location. with a man you don't know amazing so uh, and then it takes her to an empty like by themselves to an empty south. i know well and uh. i love that there's a sign that says do not open this door and then he just opens the door and walks in they, then we have our first song that really kind of moves the plot forward which is you were meant for me so this is don telling kathy like i'm so in love with you and i'm meant for you you're meant for me and they have this gorgeous dance together he fully sets the stage by which he turns on all the lights he turns on the wind machine he makes it as romantic as possible exactly god the dance he does this lift at the end where her forearms Mm -hmm. are sort of on his shoulders and like what you would normally see is you would see a full lift so that elbows are locked and the shoulders are locked so that you can support this motherfucker that's made of steel does a partial lift and holds her up with bent mm-hmm. elbows, which means that everything is, like, in his biceps and upper back. Like, nothing. Now, I'm sure that Debbie Reynolds weighed, like, 110 pounds during this movie. But, yeah. like, still holding that in that position, so slowly moving her around, and then slowly... Like, man, this man was made of steel. It's wild. <laughs> anyway, we have this lovely, beautiful song, They I, Dance Together. I also left a, lo- a note of myself, just like, I. it's set in 1927. I hate this dress style and it's it's there's not fitted at your waist there's like a band around your hips Mm -hmm. and unless you were literally stick thin it just doesn't doesn't flatter anyone i I hate it and it's all the women (laughs) anyway they dance around the sound sound stage it's pretty cut to (laughs) cut to lena having a dictation lesson trying to work through her strong brooklyn accent are you gonna say this I want to say that both the of them are, but more so the second one. More so the more so the man. I yeah. agree. I agree. But Lena's dictation coach is this very the like think of a classic vocal Madame teacher Morrible, that you had in high like, school. Yeah, 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 yeah. Take yourself way too seriously. Cut to Don having his own dictation it's lesson. Going He's fine. better than Lena. Yeah. yeah, it's going fine. Cosmo arrives and derails and the entire the dicta- lesson. <laughs> oh my god, Cos. Yeah. So Don's teacher is this older 
white gentleman Cosmo arrives they just and they just make fun of the coach and the lessons together and it just seems like Gene Kelly and Donald O'Connor had such fun making this to the point where I'm like the dictation coach in this scene is the yes because he's just just trying trying to do do his his job job. and musical theater decides to stop him like the concept of musical theater destroys this man's job (laughs) (laughs) so he's um doing this and he's talking uh, Gene. He's talking Don through a bunch of tongue twisters, things like that. And so we mm. get to one Moses supposes is Tozes are roses, but Moses supposes erroneously. But Moses supposes erroneously. From Moses, Moses he knows his toes are roses. As Moses supposes his toes to be. Yeah, anyway. Um, but Cosmo hears that and is just like amazing and takes over the lesson and starts singing and we get our next song which is Moses Supposes which has Moses, no point yes. but the dancing is so good <laughs> the, so, the dancing is so good I also this is this is another Kate destroys a tavern yeah Cosmo and Don <laughs> just the destroy this office building <laughs> this is a Kate wrecks a tavern moment um God, so, yeah, so they basically just destroy this office, and this poor man is just thrown around the room. But the dancing is so good, and I'm, like, vibrating. It's so incredible, (laughs) and I don't know how else to describe it. (laughs) I know, that's the one thing where I'm, like, explaining dancing as a medium is hard in an audio exclusive. Exactly. God, it's so good. Anyway, I... My homework is going to be to watch this movie because every time that I got to a mm. new musical number, I was like, oh, maybe this should be my homework. Oh, wait, no, but what about this one? Like, <laughs> And we cut to the next day. Dawn and Lena are shooting mm-hmm. the first scene that we saw them do in the dueling Cavalier. Cavalier, except now they have, yeah, they actually have dialogue. Yeah. It's the scene where Dawn's character like comes down the stairs and professes his love mm-hmm. for Lena's character. Here's the thing. Here, okay, 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 okay. They have, so in that useless department store song, they had a microphone hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. Why yeah. did they not have any kind of hanging mic for this situation? Because what they've done is they've hidden a microphone in a bush directly in front of Lena yeah. and Dawn so that they can kind of aim their voices towards the microphone. However, this is a concept that goes entirely over Lena's Too head. much. And she cannot, she, she cannot understand that she needs to not move her head mm-hmm. so much when she's acting because she keeps looking at Dawn and then looking away and then looking back at Dawn. But so we get a Doppler effect where we only hear like, oh, I love you. I can never. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and the director of the film is tearing his oh hair. Oh my out. God. This is another waiter. This poor director. He's. Yes. Yes. He's, he is another God, he's waiter. trying so hard. He's just like, please, just talk into the bush. And Lena's like, well, I can't make love to a bush. And <laughs> and so they try putting it in, uh, like in like hiding it in her dress, but it picks up her heartbeat. Like they try, they put it on her shoulder, it on her shoulder. But then RF comes in and is like, "Why is there this wire here?" And just pulls it, and she goes ass over tea kettle. So clearly they're having they're audio, having audio issues. So we cut to the preview for this movie. Uh, so the, Kathy shows up with Don and um, Cosmo and she's like, okay, I know you have to go sit with Lena and like the rest of them, but I'll like lead the cheering section from the balcony. So she goes off. And mm-hmm. so they go to watch this movie and it is 
awful. Abysmal. Abysmal. Like, it is everything. Lena's accent is, it's a disaster. Yeah. Lena's accent is bad. The microphone is bad. You can't hear Don at all. Some of the lines are bad because Don just rewrote yeah, some of the like, dialogue. And that is a pain point that is never addressed again. And I'm just like, no, no, no. He was also yeah, bad. Yeah, no. But the, the worst thing is that the audience is treating it like a comedy yes. when it's supposed to be this romantic dramatic film and the audience is cackling, cackling at how bad it yes. is not because it's good comedy but because it's bad right. lena likes like, it this is great it sounds good and loud but there's immediately afterwards we see our our trio of cosmo don lena and rf in the lobby kind of like hiding their faces behind the coats and we just get line after line of departing audience being like that was Horrible. the worst thing i ever saw i never want to see a lamont and lockwood picture ever again and rf is like we are oh, fucked no. <laughs> so cut to Don's house. Um, it's pouring rain outside. Lol, they're all drinking milk. That was wild. White bread sandwiches and milk. Kathy and Cosmo are trying to cheer up Don, but it's not working. He was like, the house will be repossessed by the morning. Don is convinced his career is over. And Kathy ends up coming up with the idea of like, well, wait a minute. Like, you have a musical background. What if we turned the dueling cavalier into a musical and... Because the pr this premiere preview that they went to tonight, they still have six weeks before the film is supposed to be released. Yes, this is like nationwide. a test for audiences. Yeah, and it went One yeah. so they have six weeks to turn. They're this like, what if we rewrote turn the it into entire a script um, and reshot the, the entire, entire film? film. Um, so they're like, oh, what if we turn it into a musical? And they're just like, this is brilliant, Kathy. Amazing. This must be my lucky day. And we move into the number. Good morning. I just quick, quick button. They're just actors. Yeah. They don't have this power. No. I thought about that too. Like, I get it. Don Lockwood is a huge starring name and like, he definitely has a lot of clout but at the end of the day they don't have that kind of power no, but they do but they do have a lot of sway with rf and rf is i think looking for yes. solutions but i love how they're just like yes. great it's decided not like okay cool let's figure out how to sell this to rf like <laughs> so yes. the, well they do that at the end right. of the song at the end of the song they're like all right we gotta sell this right. to rf but I was, so when that when they said that i was just okay. like okay good 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 good, good, good um, yeah. but so yeah. they have the song good morning Good morning. Which, ugh. Ugh. If you know a song from Singing in the Rain and it's not it's Singing, song, in, the Singing rain, in the Rain, but it's probably this, song. this one. This one's number two. Um, and it's so delightful and joyous, and it's just them kind of being a little bit like tired, drunk, and just um, waltzing around this yeah. house. And like this dance number is so good. The tapping is so lovely. It's so the silly. The gist of the song is that they literally talked through the mm -hmm. night because don's like all right i wish, wish i'm gonna wish you good night and they're like no no, it's one yeah. in the morning it is you can say good morning and what a to beautiful me. morning and, and it's like pouring down rain yes um yes and their their hopes have been lifted because they have a yes. plan i want to put a quick pin in this grace did you pay any attention to the interior decor of of don's house wild he has a full statue suit of armor mm -hmm. yes he does i feel like he just like stole old things from yeah. projects he's yeah 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 Absolutely. yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. But who, who decorated he has so he much has money so much money um which which just goes to show money can't buy you taste <laughs> it is wild <laughs> um 
So the song ends. Talk about a bachelor. Yeah, I know. The song ends with the classic scene of the three of them running up the couch, pushing it over the back and then falling back laughing. Love it. And then they're just like, oh, this is amazing. What a great idea. Oh, wait, Lena. We We forgot forgot about about Lena. Lena. Uh, There was a moment in the premiere that we didn't mention where the sound and the video got out of sync, where it sounded like Lena was saying yes when she was shaking her head no, and it was like a guy's voice, like the the main antagonist of the movie, whatever. And so like they had... Again, another gag that the audience exactly. loved. But, but they use this Cosmo is like, wait, I have a brilliant idea. What if we just use Kathy's singing voice and just basically dub all of Lena's lines? Cosmo invents yeah. something <laughs> in this moment. <laughs> um, and at first, Don is just... <laughs> He's just like, surprise, I have a new concept. <laughs> um, and at first, Don is like, I think that's a really bad idea because that could really, like, I don't, Kathy, this is your career. I don't want to, like, you should get full credit. And she's just like, it's only going to be for this one movie. Like, it'll be fine. And I really want to mm-hmm. help you out. And so they all agree um, that they're going to go to RF in the morning and pitch this idea of turning this movie into a musical and also to use Kathy's voice as Lena's voice for this one picture. Kathy gives Don a big kiss on the mouth and then Cosmo feels left out and she also gives him a kiss on the mouth. Yeah. Did you catch that? Yes, I did. I couldn't tell if it was a kiss on the mouth or the I cheek. I always thought that it was she's a kiss like, on the cheek. Okay. But no, she fully just like gives him a peck on the mouth and I was like, huh. Huh. Um, anyway, okay. cut to... Moving on. Um, <laughs> uh, Don has taken Kathy home and, like, in a cab or whatever and says okay, goodnight too. to her. And it's still pouring down rain. And then he's so overwhelmed with his love for her that he decides to walk home in the rain. And we get... Singing in the rain. It never rains like this in California. No! In Los Angeles, never. <laughs> never. Um, Absolutely not. God, this song gives me so much joy. The So much serotonin. Oh, God, the amount of serotonin. I was telling Anna before we started recording, my favorite moment of this song. It's not even a strong dance number, but it's just Gene Kelly, arms outstretched in front of him with his umbrella, doing just like big wild circles in the street. And it's just, Mm -hmm. God, it's just so joyous. And like, there's a moment where he's just like in the gutter, basically splashing puddles. Uh, I can tell you for sure that water is freezing cold. (laughs) Well, this was also whenever he Um, had a uh, fever of 103. 103. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine if they were like, the camera was foggy. We need to well, record this. Well, it took three days to record this. Like, this was yeah. not, like, yeah, there's yeah, a yeah, rumor yeah. that this was done in a single take because he was sick. It was not. It was done absolutely over three days. Absolutely <laughs> not. Um, but no, also, no, this absolutely. was done These are long actually shots outside too. at a real street. Like, it looks like a back lot. But this really? Is... I could have sworn no. it was a back well, lot. Well, everyone thinks that it was because it looks like it. But no, they, like, put tarp down across, like, two full blocks and filmed this outside. Yeah. Wow. That's surprising. I know. Cut to RF's office. Cosmo and Don have sold him on the idea of making the musical, but RF is also worried about what Lena's going to think. And they're like, we're just not going to tell, tell Lena. Lena. <laughs> um, but they say, oh, you know, we we need to rename it if it's going to be a musical. And they rename it The Dancing, the Dancing Cavalier. Cavalier. Classic. They also 
all three of them decide that if they're going to make it a musical, they need to appeal to more audiences by adding a couple modern musical and dance elements to it. So they change the plot around and they make it kind of a play within a yeah. play where they set it in modern times where Gene Kelly is, or uh, excuse me, Don Lockwood is playing a, a young Broadway huffer mm. who is reading Don Quixote backstage and then a sandbag falls on him and we go into this, uh, not Don Quixote, uh, whatever Three Musketeers, yeah. Know. Three Musketeers, thank you. I was like, Don Quixote is not French. <laughs> um, and he like, it's a dream yeah. sequence of the French Revolution. Exactly. Then we cut to the recording yes. studio where Kathy is dubbing for Lena. Yes. And she's great at it. And Don kisses her and he tells her that he loves and, her. Um, we also see Lena practicing along with the song. Oh, shit. Because that happens right. later. What you're, you're right, talking you're about right. happens later. So Lena is practicing. I misread my own notes. <laughs> Lena is practicing along with Kathy's yes. voice, sort of being like, oh, if you just copy this, then, like, you know, it'll work out just fine. Just sounds like this. So Wait, that okay, she can question. practice. So Lena, Lena doesn't know she's being dumb. No, she just thinks that she's okay. practicing with someone else's voice. Yeah. And then that way they, like, are doing a big old switcheroo oh. so that... Because we see Lena recording the song. Well, yeah, it's her practicing mouthing along to the words so that the recorded song that they have will match up. It's a bit weird. Anyway, it's a bit confusing how they're setting all of this up. Um, yeah. Remember, they're inventing dubbing. As they go. <laughs> um, so they then we cut to like a final screening uh, for RF only. Um where RF is like watching this final production of this dubbed song and he's like great amazing don't tell Lena um is there anything else we have to film and then Don and Cosmo are like there's only one yes. like thing left and it's a bit of the modern sequence and it's called Broadway Melody and we move into the most like one of, not even the most but like the secondary most useless song uh... Anna hates this I fucking love it <laughs> I okay 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 I don't I hate, <laughs> it doesn't do anything. I can appreciate it for the fantastic dancing. Mm. However, I do not care enough that it moves the plot forward to look beyond It doesn't, that. yeah, Does it doesn't sense? move the plot forward at all. So basically this whole setup is they're showing what they're describing to RF, which is basically like the story of the young hoof or whatever getting into business and then he gets brought to this dance club and then we get the one of the most incredible dance pieces which is gene kelly and sid charise here it's fantastic it does not be it feels it's so useless not part of this film because they're setting it as like modern to the 20s but the entire it doesn't make sense none uh of it makes sense it's a-okay um, but this dancing, this it. dance with her in the green dress is and so this, hot. Yes. It's absurd. I'm also in love with Sid Therese. Mm -hmm. Also, she was taller than him. Gene Kelly was a short king. And uh, he was real yes. embarrassed by that. <laughs> and so if you watch it, all of their dance moves, like they're leaning away from each other or like she's like bending down. And so all of it makes it look like they're the same height when she was definitely like one or two inches taller than him. And she was in heels. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> anyway, so this whole sequence happens. There's all of these incredible dance moments. Should, Sid Charisse uh, is in amazing. And this movie really punched her career so she was no longer just a featured dancer. Her next movie after this, she was a main, uh, a main performer. Um, and yeah. it ends 
yada yada honestly the plot of this doesn't matter but like the dancing is so fucking phenomenal but i said to grace in the beginning because it's been a couple years since i saw this film and as it started i I remembered this dance sequence but i couldn't remember if it was part of this film partly because it feels so separate from this film and it's pointless (laughs) but when i saw sid charisse in the scene within this concept i was like Oh, I remember this green dress lady. Uh-huh. Okay. And then the next scene, which is the scarf scene, when she appeared in the white dress, I was oh. like, oh, yeah. <laughs> now, they do this whole dance this sequence dance. with this huge long scarf that's like ages long. And it's and they, oh, yeah. the wind was so strong that you can see her. Now, Sid Charisse is a trained ballerina. Um, the, the strength of that scarf with the fan like knocks her off her feet a couple of times. Like... It's really yeah. funny. Um, anyway, so this whole thing happens, and then it ends, and uh, we cut back to them pitching it to. <laughs> and we get my the, the my best line, favorite line it. from RF. He's like, "Is RF after they pitch it? They're like, what do you think?'" He goes, "I don't know. I just can't visualize it." As if we didn't just <laughs> see a six-minute dance sequence of it. But he says, "Like, I'll I'll see it once you've yeah, exactly. it. Which is not. That's not how producers like. <laughs> You're not going to be like, yeah, spend all my money and then I'll just unmake it and then I'll decide if I like it. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So then we cut to Kathy finishing up recording all of Lena's dialogue. So she's done the songs and now she's recording the dialogue to sort of match the way that Lena's mouth was moving. Mm -hmm. This This is is when Lena bursts in because... What's the big idea? Because Zelda has found out about it Zelda and went to, them rats out. out everyone and goes to tell Lena. Um, and this is when... Zelda said bros before hoes. <laughs> ovaries uh. before broveries. Um, yeah. And so Lena is then, it's revealed to her that Kathy is dubbing over all of her songs and lines. Kathy is getting full credit for being the voice in that. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a huge promotion for Kathy after this to like launch her career. And Don reveals that he intends to marry her. And so Lena's just mm-hmm. had everything like just snatched away yeah. from her. This is the scene where before Lena arrives, Don tells Kathy he loves yes. her. Cut to RF's office. Yes, with two marketing yeah. executives who are, and everyone is confused because on the headline front page of every newspaper in Los mm-hmm. Angeles is a big story about what a fantastic singer and dancer, singer and actress Lena Lamont yeah. is. And the marketing executives are like, RF, you gotta tell us when you're we gonna like prepped for do Kathy. something like this. What happened? Yeah, they were prepped to launch Kathy's career. And RF says like, I have no fucking idea what's going on. I didn't okay no. this. And then Lena walks in being, she's like, I okay uh-huh. it. And here's what's gonna happen. Because she has in her contract that the studio can't yeah. disparage her. And she's interpreting Kathy as her voice as disparagement and detrimental to her career. And so she Mm -hmm. says, if you tell people that she's my voice, I can sue. Uh, or she, sorry, she says, I can sue. sue. <laughs> and she could, like, bury the Absolutely. studio in this. Like, she has a valid, legal, like, leg to yeah. stand on, even though she's being real shitty yes. about it. And so RF's hands are kind of tied. tied. Yeah. Like, they can't do any of the promotional press that they were going to do for they Kathy. They have to take Kathy's name off of the, um, off of, like, the credits. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And Lena threatens to sue RF until uh, he makes sure that no one's ever going to even have heard of Kathy. And Kathy's going to dub over Lena's projects for the rest of her career, right. essentially ensuring Kathy does not have a career of mm-hmm. her own and all the fame goes to Absolutely. Lena. So we cut to the premiere um, and it's a huge success. It's incredible, and but at this premiere, this is when Don finds out what Lena has pulled, and he's like, RF, how could you let this happen? You're the head of the studio. And he's like, I don't know. I'm just confused. Um, he's RF <laughs> is our goon. RF is big goon energy. Um, this is all happening backstage at the theater. Yeah. So the film has just finished. The audience is like uproariously applauding. Don and Lena have gone out to like have a couple bows and they keep going backstage and then they keep getting like brought back on stage because the audience like wants to see more yeah. of them. Meanwhile, RF is like, I, I don't I don't know. Uh, Don is pissed at RF. Cosmo's there. Kathy's heartbroken as well. Lena reveals that Kathy's going to have to keep dubbing mm-hmm. for her. And Le- and Kitty, uh, Kitty, Kathy says, no, I'm not going to yeah. do it. And Lena's like, you have a five-year contract, You'll honey. do what they say. Don refuses to work with the studio if this, if this goes, goes on. on. And Lena's just like, I have enough star power on my own. I don't need you. I was a star before you came on the scene. And just then, Lena's like, and you know what? You've silenced me for too long. You didn't let me give a speech for the Royal Rascal. I'm going to go out and give a speech right now because listen to that. They're cheering yeah. for me. So she goes out on stage where there's a microphone mm-hmm. and she starts to say, like, ladies and gentlemen, it's such an honor for you all to be here tonight. And the audience listens to her and they're like, what? That's not what you fucking sounded like in the movie. Yeah. And Lena gets kind of flustered by the fact that they're not positively responding to her. And then someone's like, I don't want to hear you talk. Sing Sing a song. And so she runs back and uh, she's like, what do I do? What do I do? And Cosmo has an idea and whispers it to Don and RF. And they both like get these looks on their faces. They're like, okay, go out and sing. Kathy, stand behind the curtain. You're going to sing. And first Kathy's like, no, I won't do this. But then Don and and RF kind of bully her into doing this. And she's like, fine, I will do this but Don I don't ever want to see you again yeah and so she goes out back and they set up a microphone behind this curtain Lena goes in front of the curtain and it's just like I'll be singing singing in the rain in the key of a flat which is what Kathy has told her to say and so Kathy starts to Mm -hmm. sing and Lena starts to lip sync to Kathy's voice and mm-hmm. backstage, Don, Cosmo, and RF start humming along and then in a line march to the pulleys and just pull open the curtain to reveal the trick. Mm-hmm. And the audience bursts into with laughter. laughter. And Lena doesn't know what's happening. Kathy is overwhelmed and like, and like feels like she's the butt of the joke well, as and doesn't well. quite know what to do so she's just still singing and like looking over at rf to see what she should do just then cosmo just because lena still is just singing and so's kathy cosmo comes running over and pushes kathy out of the way and starts singing so it sounds like a man's voice is coming out of lena's mouth and so lena, lena. finally realizes what's going on and panics and runs away so does Kathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she's she, been again, she fully feels like she's embarrassed. Been just the butt of a big joke. Yeah. So she runs down the the Lena runs away backstage, but Kathy runs down the aisle of the theater, and Don runs out on stage. She's like, "Stop that Ugh. woman!" And the audience, like crowd control, stops yeah. her. And Don makes his big announcement that that woman is the true star of this picture, Kathy Sheldon. She was the voice you heard yeah. tonight. Dawn starts to sing, You Are My Lucky Star. Kathy tearfully realizes what's going on and joins him on stage. And they sing this duet together. 
And then they kiss yeah. and it pulls back and they're now in front of a new billboard for their new film, Singing in the Rain, the two of them together. Yeah, so they're happy, they're in love, they're both successful stars, and Lena was never heard from. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good, they, and they end on such a good old-fashioned face oh. smash kiss. Just like, faces together, smash. no movement, hold it until the director exactly. says Exactly. <laughs> and that's the end, y'all. Oh. And that's Singing in the Rain. When was the last time you watched this film? Um, Do you remember? Like, within the last three years. Okay. Honestly, it's this and, like, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang are, like, my joy musicals where I just, mm. if I'm in a space where I'm, I just need to, like, sort of revamp my love for musical theater a little bit, I will watch, like, one of these two or I'll watch Hairspray where it's just, there's j- Yeah. Oh, I watched this entire film, which is a big smile oh yeah because it just it really captures the joy of musical theater for me which is big musical numbers large dancing there's not dancing in the street in this one i was just thinking that is there da- i mean there's solo dancing in the right street, there is solo dancing in the street but there's not the like there's no chorus really in this no which is interesting there's only a chorus in the musical numbers within the show yeah. within the yeah. films yeah, no, this is this is one of my go-to joy movies where I'm just like, I just need an emotional cleanser of like, let me just bring mm. joy to the surface and I will watch this. Oh yeah, this. this was a fantastic. A Sunday yeah. afternoon, make a pot of tea, put this Ugh. on. It's gloomy here. It was really nice. Oh, amazing. Do you want to do a little dramaturgy? Dramaturgy report! Dramaturgy report! Okay, so I made an executive decision. So this was co-directed by mm-hmm. Gene Kelly and Stanley Donnan. Mm-hmm. And as we're going to see Gene Kelly again in An American in yeah, Paris. Yeah, I'm really going to focus on, I didn't focus on him this time. I'm going to focus on him in American in Paris. So this was co-directed by Stanley Donnan, who is an American film director and choreographer whose most celebrated works are, in addition to Singing in the Rain, On the mm-hmm. Town, which he, both of which he co-directed with Gene Kelly. His other films, notable films, include Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, mm-hmm. Funny Face, Indiscreet, and Charades. We worked with Audrey Hepburn yeah. a lot. A little bit about his background, he actually began his career in the chorus line on Broadway. Not in a chorus line, but... <laughs> worked in the chorus. Yeah, he worked in the chorus of Pal Joey, mm-hmm. which was starring Gene Kelly as a young up-and-comer. So that's how they met, and they remained collaborative partners. Yeah throughout the rest of his career. Donnan moved to Hollywood in 1943 as a choreographer before collaborating with Gene Kelly. Donnan is credited with helping the transition of Hollywood musical films from realistic backstage dramas, Mm -hmm. which we've seen a lot of, like, for example, Kiss Me Mm -hmm. Kate, or, like, truly anything where we can't imagine... Where they ha- the only way to have musical numbers was to make the film about musical a, a show. Yeah. Like even White Christmas. Yeah, exactly. So he took them from these realistic backstage dramas into a more integrated art form where s- songs were a natural continuation of the plot of any story. Really opening up the options for what could be a musical. Yeah. So not only were, they, were Donnan and Kelly able to bring musicals to other plots they also took advantage of the film medium and did these incredible dances that wouldn't have been achievable on a broadway stage or on a large stage they needed they used the film medium to their advantage uh stanley donnan has an incredible legacy in addition to that film scholars have coined this use of dance in film and specifically 
shooting it in a way that is perfect for it on film as the concept Cinedance, which is a dance that can only be created in the medium of film. And its origins are recognized as these Don and Kelly collaborative films. So I thought that was really cool. The one thing I did want to point out is that he obviously worked with Gene Kelly a lot. That did not mean that it was like sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> nope. The importance of the two men's contributions have been debated by critics of kind of like a chicken or the egg situation of like, where did Gene Kelly's influence end and where did Donning yeah. come in? There was a lot of behind the scenes gossip of one taking credit for the other's work and vice versa. And even Don and the director stated that by the time you hash it through from beginning to end a million times, you can't remember who did what, except in the few instances where you clearly remember getting an idea. So that's Stanley Donnan. The cinematographer was Harold, aka Hal Rawson, who we've seen before because we saw him in The Wizard of Oz. We saw his work on The Wizard of Oz. He was an American cinematographer who worked in early and classical Hollywood cinema. He had a 52-year career, so he started in the silent films in 1915. Um, But he's best known for his work on The Wizard of Oz and this musical, Singing in the Rain. And then two really fun facts. We've seen his work already outside of Wizard of Oz because for whatever reason... He's credited with shooting the trolley song in Meet Me in St. Louis. Oh, okay. I don't know why it was a separate cinematographer, and I'm going to look back and like see if I read anything about that then. But he's credited with the trolley song, and then he's also responsible for the burning of Atlanta sequence in Gone with the Wind. Wild. <laughs> Which was the very first thing that they yes. shot. And I know that, that that film had a lot of like directors coming Moved and going, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was when Fleming was the director. Got you. Anyway wild <laughs> but also like can't you see you can see his work if i think back on the trolley song and then i think of singing in the rain and wizard of oz i can see the consistent yeah uh styles yes absolutely yeah. all right that's director and cinematographer so the writers for this it was a collaboration between um adolph green and betty comden so they had a six decade long partnership that produced some of hollywood and broadway's like greatest hits it's one of the longest running partnerships of a writing team in history so they were most known for particularly their work with arthur freed's production unit at mgm which is what this musical was Mm -hmm. as well a lot of people thought that they were married they were not they each were married (laughs) to separate people and had kids with their partners but they were a really really popular lyricist and playwright combination who had a really specific style of comedic timing and and writing and like a wit to them now Arthur Freed was the head of like the Freed unit at MGM and was responsible for like the big glossy glamorous musicals and he's he sort of conceived this idea of a movie based on back catalogs of songs that were written by mm-hmm. himself and Brown so Arthur Freed called Betty Comden and Adolph Green from New York and to come up with a story to tie all of these songs together and to write the script So because a lot of the songs had originally been written during the time when silent films were sort of moving through to talkies and musicals were really popular, they came up with the idea to use these songs as a story that would be set during this transitional period in Hollywood, which is an era that they worked through. So they were very familiar with how this worked and what actors and and producers and uh, studio runners went through during this time. Now, most of the songs had, as I said, been previously written by other people. The ones that Betty Comden and Adolph Green did write were Moses Supposes 
and oh god the one more there was the 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 you were meant for me that was it so mm. uh, moses supposes and you were meant for me i'm pretty sure were written by that writing duo and the rest were all songs that had previously existed um that were just sort they of just cobbled them together into this they also wrote make them laugh um in like a really deep collaboration with donald o'connor um, and Gene Kelly, since they were choreographing it, and it was really basically a song written for and built for Donald O'Connor. <laughs> there is a note that Irving Berlin visited the set one day whenever he and he heard the sort of a playback of Make 'em Laugh, and Irving Berlin commented, It's like, huh, that sounds really like my song Be a Clown. And Arthur Freed changed the subject. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> uh, that's how it, that got written. Now, I'm going to focus a little bit on Debbie Reynolds. I love Debbie Reynolds. So I love Debbie Reynolds. Her career spanned like 70 years. She was nominated for a lot of things, but her breakout role was this, was Kathy Selden in Singing in the Rain. So she was discovered by talent scouts from both Warner Bros. and MGM, who were at like a 1948 Miss Burbank contest, and both companies mm -hmm. wanted to sign her for a studio, so they flipped a coin. Wild. <laughs> um, so Warner Bros. won the coin toss, so she was with them for two years, but then they stopped producing musicals, so she ended up moving to MGM. There, she regularly appeared in musicals um, and sort of got a little bit of internal recognition by her song Abba Dabba Honeymoon, and that was sort of the first soundtrack recording that became top of the chart gold record, which reached number three on Billboard charts, and because of that, they gave her the co-starring role in Singing in the Rain. She also then had a starring role, The Unsinkable Molly Brown, which led to nomination for Academy Award for Best Actress. She noted that originally the director didn't want her. He wanted Shirley MacLaine. He told her that she was totally wrong for the part. And then six weeks in, he came up to her and said, I admit that I was wrong. I'm very pleased you're playing the role very well. <laughs> so she also headlined for like 10 years, three months out of the year, she headlined in Las Vegas's Riviera Hotel doing a live show that was apparently very strenuous so it was a performing ske schedule of two shows a night for seven nights a week for three months she oh said that God. it was like the toughest kind of show business but very rewarding the part of the act was she was noted for doing impressions so she did like eva and Zsa Zsa gabor she did Mae west barbara streisand phyllis stiller betty davis she did this for like 10 years which is insane once sort of her film and television opportunities sort of started drying up a little bit, she had an opportunity to make her Broadway debut. So she starred in the 1973 revival of Irene mm -hmm. with her daughter, Carrie Fisher. Now, when she was asked why it took so long for her to appear on Broadway, she said, mostly because I had two kids growing up. I could make movies mm -hmm. in Las Vegas um, and do plays like in Vegas and Los Angeles. And that was very close to my children. Now they are well on their way to being adults. There was a ma And then there was the matter of being offered a show I felt might be right for me. And I felt Irene was that. And now was the time. Per reports, that production broke records for the highest weekly gross of any musical, and she received a Tony nomination for that. She played the title role in the animated musical Charlotte's Web, so she was the voice of Charlotte and Charlotte's Web. 
Um, and she originated the song Mother Earth and Father Time. She also played Grace's mother from Will and Grace for like six <laughs> years. Um, and that earned her an Emmy uh, nomination for Outstanding Guest Actress. To talk a little bit about her personal life, she was married three times. Her most famous marriage was to singer Eddie Fisher. They became parents of Carrie Fisher and Todd Fisher. They Mm -hmm. did divorce in 1959 when it was revealed that Eddie Fisher was having an affair with Elizabeth Taylor. And this was a Mm -hmm. huge scandal. And it also led to the cancellation of the Eddie Fisher television show. Now, Debbie Reynolds in like two thousand find out. Yeah. In in like two thousand eleven, she talked on the Oprah Winfrey show. She explained that her and Elizabeth Taylor happened to be traveling on the same ocean liner back when that was a thing. <gasps> the Queen Elizabeth. Uh, this should be a movie in and of itself. In the late sixties, early seventies, and uh, Debbie Reynolds ended up sending a note to Elizabeth Taylor's room, and she sent a note back, and they agreed to have dinner, and it was described as a wonderful evening with a lot of laughs. In 1972, Aww. she noted the bright side of the divorce was now, in retrospect, though it was not my will, I think it was probably the best thing to ever happen to me. He gave me two great children, and for that I will forever be grateful. Our door is always open to him. I believe in the peaceful coexistence and being friends with the father of your children. On December 23rd, 2016, Debbie Reynolds' daughter, Carrie Fisher, ended up passing. And the next day, Debbie Reynolds was taken to the hospital and suffered a severe stroke and was announced as uh, had passed that same day. So she died the day mm-hmm. after her daughter. Todd Fisher later said that Debbie Reynolds had been seriously affected by her daughter's death and that her grief was partially responsible for the stroke. So that's Debbie Reynolds. Her and Carrie Fisher had an incredible relationship. They had houses right next door to each other. There was a documentary that was released, I want to say in 2018 or 19, about their relationship, which is a really great documentary. Highly recommend that as well. But Debbie Reynolds had such an incredible life and an incredible presence within the movie community. Very missed. Well done. In terms of reviews and receptions, this was a big smashing hit. It was the 10th highest grossing film of the year in the U.S. and Canada, and it is one of the few films that has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. Deserved this time. Well, <laughs> it was nominated for a bunch of things. It is on a lot of best 100 movies mm-hmm. lists. But my favorite thing was that it only got two Oscar nominations, one for best score, I believe. Mm-hmm. But Gene Hagen, who played... Lena was nominated for Best Supporting Actress, Best. which just so good. tickles my fancy. Oh, <laughs> I loved it so much. You want to do some singing and dancing? Yeah, I have some stuff about that. I have a question. Yeah. I know Debbie Reynolds was dubbed. For some of it, not all of it. Two songs were dubbed. Yes. I don't understand why. So, Do you have anything about that? Yes. So talking a little bit about the dubbing. So... There's a little bit of a silliness where um, Jean Hagen, who played Lena Lamont, actually in real life had a very warm, deep, resonant voice. And so mm. in the looping sequence where we see Kathy recording over Lena's voice. Dialogue? Yeah, over her Is dialogue. That actually that's Jean actually Gene Hagen's I... voice. So it's Gene Hagen dubbing Carrie Fi- or dubbing um, Debbie Reynolds dubbing Lena Lamont. So it's it's like a triple effect. The 
I remember hearing that and being like, that doesn't really sound like Debbie Reynolds. Nope. That's funny. Yeah. So the song, Would You, the singing was Betty Noyes, I want to say her her name is pronounced, because she had a deeper, richer singing voice, which matched Gene Hagen's speaking voice, which is what they wanted for that character in the dancing cavalier. So they found a singing voice for the song that was particularly in that movie to match what Gene Hagen's voice sounded like, which is what they were pretending Kathy Selden's voice sounded like. But the rest of her songs, so like Good Morning, that that was Debbie Debbie Reynolds. Reynolds. Um, Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, it was literally just because they were pretending that Kathy's voice, she was changing it to be a little bit more deeper and resonant, but her singing Mm -hmm. voice couldn't quite match that deeper resonance that they wanted, so they got one person in for that one song. Okay, the thing I read said two songs, so maybe it was something that was cut... Or maybe My, that's just wrong. Or, yeah, or it's like, I think it was, there's like two versions. There's Would You and then there's a Would You Reprise. Then there's yeah. the You oh, Are My Lucky that. Star, but I don't know if that was. But that's, no. No, because that sounded be like her. Debbie Reynolds. Um, yeah, yeah, so it might be the Would You and then the Would You repli- the Reprise, because there were two times that that song was I bet was it was sung. that. Yeah. Other than that, Debbie Reynolds has a great voice. Gene Kelly has a great voice. Yeah. Donald O'Connor has a great voice. Like, how dare I have notes? I have no notes. They were, they were fantastic. They were so silly. Yeah. Their voices. <laughs> mesh really well they do yes absolutely i feel the same way about dancing like i have i have i have nothing to say well so i do want to talk a little bit about the the process of this because it was not a happy it was not smooth sailing now part of that is gene kelly was very upset with mgm because mgm had a history of having a really tight leash on the actors that they had under contract and they had a habit of not lending them out. Now, Kelly was very upset because MGM wasn't lending him out to roles that he wanted. He basically used this to get out of his contract with MGM. So he was so bad in terms of his behavior, not his performance, on mm-hmm. set that MGM ended up releasing him from his contract. Wow. So that he could get out of MGM. Now, part of that ended up being that he was incredibly aggressive and abusive towards Debbie Reynolds. Now, Debbie Reynolds mm-hmm. was 19 years old. 19. She had never danced before. She was a gymnast, so she did have like physicality and she understood how her body moved in space and she was reportedly a very very good mimic physically. So she was able to copy moves and make it look like she was doing what these two incredible dancers were doing, especially in like Good Morning, which has the like the three of them tap dancing in unison. Even if she wasn't able to get everything 100% perfectly, it still looked correct. Of course, Gene Kelly ended up redubbing all of her tapping. Um, There's the story, um, which a lot of people know, where he had yelled at her so much that like she ended up leaving and she was crying under a piano and Fred Astaire found her Mm -hmm. and like was just like your hard work is worth it I will work with you on this like let's find a time we'll go over the moves together like he 
Fred Astaire was a nice guy. Debbie Reynolds later said that making this movie and surviving childbirth were the two hardest things two that she had things. ever done. Now, to be fair, Gene Kelly later, decades later, said that he was very sad and like remorseful for his behavior. He was quoted as saying, yeah. I wasn't nice to her. It's a wonder she still speaks to me. She's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there is also reports of Donald O'Connor was also under the brunt of, of Gene Kelly's behavior. And he also, because he was already an established performer and like was famous within his own right, he ended up stepping in sometimes and taking the brunt of Gene Kelly's anger so that Debbie wouldn't be harassed. Oh. So he would like pull Gene aside and like let Gene yell at him basically um, so that Debbie wouldn't get upset. So it was not a good, healthy, working environment, which is upsetting because the movie itself evokes so much joy. But I guess that just shows what good actors they are because they were having a horrible time backstage. But they still managed to produce this movie that really just sparks so much joy. Yeah, it wasn't a great experience. I mean, like in the Good Morning number, apparently Debbie Reynolds had to be carried to her dressing room because she burst blood vessels in her feet. Oh. Like the, she was dancing so hard and so much on feet that were not used to dancing that much. Not great, Dan. Not, not great. It's not great, Dan. <laughs> um, one fact that I did have for you, which might make you angry since you since it's not your favorite sequence, the Broadway ballet sequence took a month to rehearse, two weeks to shoot, and cost a fifth of the overall budget. <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> Does it move the plot forwards? No. no. <laughs> oh. Because it's entertaining. <laughs> anyway. I'm so angry right now. I know. I'm so sorry to end this, to like leave you on this note. But the dance was, was gonna so say, good. I was going to move into gripes with something else, but that might be my Is gripe. that your gripe? That <laughs> No, I have another gripe, which is I don't like how the film resolves itself it's not a great like, ending when kathy runs away after being like she's like in the tears butt of the humiliated. Joke, she's in tears and john's like stop that woman and like public not just publicly humiliate her but publicly exposes her as like, yeah this the person who was behind lena's voice and then she just forgives him it yeah, would that have been was one lot. thing if they had looped her in at the beginning. We were like, you go backstage and sing, and then we're going to I think that's this. my gripe, because they bully her into going backstage to sing for Lena at the finale, and I feel like if they had just pulled her aside and let her in on the joke, then it would have been well, fine. She probably wouldn't have Maybe not. Done She's it. like a nicer person than those guys are, yeah. Yeah, and also... I just felt like they were like, let's squeeze a little bit of extra conflict out of this film. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I don't like how Don Hala, and then she just, he sings at her and she forgives him. Yeah. But yeah, that and Kelly the Broadway medley. <laughs> yeah. That and the Broadway medley are my gripes. If I, if I have a moment of joys and I have like a moment of no. <laughs> Mike Giggles is every single one-liner that Donald O'Connor oh, has. Donald O'Connor has. It's just like, we've been looking inside every cake in town. <laughs> I really appreciated a lot more of the quick, quippy dialogue. Absolutely. Because this is such a film of spectacle dancing and singing mm -hmm. that sometimes that can get neglected or mm -hmm. overlooked. But it it's a really good script yes do you have any moments of joy the umbrella swinging in a circle mm. the the splashing in the water like just the singing in the rain 
like whole sequence like i said it's like if i ever feel like my joy is a little bit buried in my own emotions if i just need to pull my joy to the forefront i watch that it's how did you watch this film because I, um, I watched it on hbo max uh amazon i rented it because okay. i tried to watch it on the internet and the internet failed me <laughs> Um, my moment of joy is every time I watch this film, I appreciate Lena's Lena more. Oh, she's I think hysterical. Her, Jean Hagen's performance as Lena is a shining moment of joy for me. Absolutely. She just eats this up. She leaves no crumbs. She goes exactly as far as she needs to. She's so <laughs> annoying, but it's so it's funny. So annoying. <laughs> And, like, when I was younger and I watched this, like, Lena's very easy to hate. She's the obvious villain of this. But as I get older and the more times I watch this, I just appreciate her more and more. I don't root for her. She's a bad person. But I appreciate Gene Hagen's performance as Lena. Oh, yeah. To the point where the fact that she was nominated for an Oscar for this. Amazing. Stunning. 10 out of 10. Love it. so deserved. So deserved. (laughs) Um, Do you have any fun facts? Fuck. I knew I forgot something. (laughs) Um, I have two, so I can say those while you're looking for one, if you like. Yeah, you, you you do that. So the last shot of Good Morning, the one, the classic one of them tipping the couch over, took like 40 takes, because I kept yeah. fucking it up. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, or maybe it's just me wildly as- making assumptions, but I, it's not that the tipping over, but I think probably what they were fucking up was landing so the perfectly landing? next to each other. Yeah. Because I could very see them just cr- knocking on each heads. other. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then the the final one is, um, so before this film, Sid Charisse had appeared in films as like a dance specialty or like a, or like a sort of supported player kind of thing. Um, her performance in this was so incredible that the producer elevated her to star status and her next film was The Bandwagon the following year in 1953 and she co-starred with Fred Astaire. And that sort of mm. pushed her through to stardom. Also, in their sexy dance while she's in the green, there was one moment that the Hayes Code was like, "No, too much." And so you <laughs> oh can God, actually the Hayes Code. Yeah, so you can actually see there's a moment where it's like kind of cut, and you're like, "That's where it was." I don't know what move y'all did, but the Hayes Code was like, mm. "This is already a sexy no, no, dance. No. This was too much." <laughs> uh... Huh, this is funny. Sid Charisse had to be taught how to smoke a cigarette for the Broadway ballet oh. sequence. She'd never smoked. Oh, no. I did know that silly? she had to figure out how to dance in heels because she was a ballerina. And so she had never yeah. actually really danced in heels. And so she she had to, like, figure that out. This is just silly. That scarf, Sid Charisse's scarf is 50 feet of white china silk. Oh, 50 feet. 50 feet. Wild. That's it. Okay. I'm going to call that my fun fact. Cool, 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 cool. Um, you said your homework was to watch this. I think I agree. I yeah. think that's my homework as well. God, this it's was just a big, so big joy. Joyous. And what a good way to end our season two. Oh, ah! <laughs> Wild. Wild. <laughs> so guys, next time we will be opening season three with a, uh, <sighs> With a favorite of ours in honor I'm of so a excited. in honor of a Broadway show that is closing. So take that as a hint for next. That's a big hint. I know. <laughs> oh, if you are still here with us, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been Five Six Seven Eight, a movie musical podcast. I have been Anna. I'm still Grace. That brings us to the end of season two. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Take care of yourselves and others until season three. <gasps> Goodbye. Goodbye. Five, six, seven, eight. There's no business.
business like show business like no business I know. 